Mothers, we can never, ever say enough. We just can't. And though we try um, and we fall terribly short, we still hope and pray that you feel honored because you deserve um, every bit of it. And so, uh, as Pastor Matt said, we're going to pray for you at the end of the service. Um, And we have some things we want to put in your hands just so you can... um, uh, feel appreciated, uh, and again, we know it falls terribly short compared to everything that you guys do. There's something that I heard. Um, uh, it was, as a pastor, he was saying, you know, um, there's, there's a job called a home executive that does everything, literally everything. And so uh, if I were to begin to try to run down the list, I would, I would miss so many things. So moms, we, we love you. We appreciate you. We would not be where we are. This world would not be what it is um, without you guys. It would not be turning. It would not be as great and wonderful as it is. And we know there's a lot of negative things. Y'all ain't responsible for that. It's probably the men that did all those things. But uh, moms, we love you. We love you so much. And maybe, you know, whenever there's a holiday, um, I know it's a mixed bag of emotions. If, if you're like me, um, my mom, uh, she went on to be with God a few years ago. Uh, we miss her dearly, but appreciate everything that she's ever done for us. I'm going to hopefully tell you a couple of stories with her um, to get you laughing, because my mom was, a, she was no joke when it came to certain things, um, but I'll share that with you. But for those of you who are visiting um, for the first time, we want to say thank you for, for joining us, and for the rest of you that are family, thank you always for being here uh, with us. But we're continuing our series in Matthew. Uh, and it just so happens that there is a great story uh, in regards to a mother that we're going to read. But before we do that, I want to tell you kind of an update uh, on my life. Um, this looks small, uh, but it was, it was pretty trippy. The, uh, on Friday, um, I was getting ready to go to uh, worship rehearsals. Um, and I was supposed to be on drums today. Uh, obviously, that couldn't happen. Um, and I had bought a new knife. For those of you who know me, I, I like knives. I enjoy them. And I always keep one with me because they just come in handy sometimes. And so it was a brand new knife, and it was sharp. And I just like to sharpen it even more. Yeah, you guys know where I'm getting at. So anyway, where my, our driveway is, as soon as you get out the car, um, the house was built and they put these trees in. The trees are a few years old now and it just so happens that the branches are right at where your head is. So when you get out your car, you close your door and you're walking past, you have to dodge these branches. So I said, I'm going to get rid of these branches. And so I pull out my knife and I click it. There was three branches that I had focused on and the first two were a little bit small and so I got those off, and I said, wow, these are looking good. But there's this one main one culprit that I said, man, I got to get this guy out. And so uh, I was holding on to another branch, and I was thinking this one's going to take a little muscle. Well, the knife was, I guess I did a pretty good job sharpening it, and there was no resistance. It went straight through, but the problem is it went straight into the tip of my finger as well. Uh, the good thing is the doctor said, I'm going to live through it, okay, so don't worry. As my uh, brother-in-law always likes to say, it's far from the heart, I'm not going to die. Um, and so uh, I was not able to play drums, but hopefully uh, next week or next coming weeks we'll have a full band again. So I hope you appreciate the worship team. Aren't these guys amazing? They bring it every single time. And so they usher us into the presence of God, and I, you know, sometimes that's the highlight. When I don't have the anointing in the word, they have the anointing in the music, so thank God for that. Uh, But we're going to turn to Matthew 
chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 21. Uh, and I'm not going to keep you too long because I know some of you have reservations to catch, and I know some of you want to celebrate your moms and, and spend time with family. So um, we're going to read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to make a few points. Uh, then we're going to pray over our moms, uh, and then we have some finger foods out there. We want to um, just help you before you get to your real lunch. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I appreciate um, <clears throat> all food. All right, verse 21, let's jump right in. It says, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out to us, uh, after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire, and her daughter was healed instantly. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for mothers. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, your heart, that for whatever reason this scripture was recorded and canonized in your word, in your Bible, Father, I pray that we would pull out some truths and some nuggets that would uh, help us not just to appreciate moms, but really change our lives uh, as well. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here to help us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen? Amen. Here's the first point I want to make in reading this scripture as we observe this mother who finds herself around Jesus. How many realize that she had a problem? Parents, have you ever had a problem? Moms, have you ever had a problem? Moms, have you ever had a problem with a child? Uh-huh. I thought I'd get a response out of that one. But we all have. All parents have had problems with their child. But this problem was a little bit different, so it seems on the surface. But we're going to find out that it's really a problem that is common to all of us. I'm going to repeat some verses just to get it into our heads. Verse 22, and behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now, I don't know if you've uh, grown up watching scary movies. Anybody, you get a thrill from watching scary movies, right? You remember those? And the ones that got to me the worst were demon possession. Those were the ones that tried to go to sleep and I would swear my bed shook. And when my bed shook, I'm going, is it me, God? Do I, right, do I have a demon? But these always got to me. Well, here's a real life story about a mother who was experiencing this with her own daughter. Now, it's one thing for your daughter or son to experience trouble or hardship. It's another to see them suffering in this way. 
But I want you guys to, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time here because I want you guys to realize the realness of this. The problem wasn't just that her daughter was demon-possessed. The problem is that there is a devil, and the devil wants to destroy the next generation. Plain and simple. As, as you look around our world and all the things that they have to deal with and all the ideals, we were praying in our prayer meeting this morning before church, and we were praying for this, just all the pressures that young people go through today and all the confusion because the world is throwing so many things at them. And how many know there's a lot of voices making a lot of noise right now? The voices not, don't just affect our young people, they affect our parents. The world will, the world will tell you what... How, how to uh, raise your kids. What's, what's proper now and what's not proper. You know, how to what to do and what not to do. Oh, you know where something was, you know, normal back in our day and really, I mean, plain and simple. Now the lines are so blurred. And so young people can't, it's almost like the things that were looked down upon before are now not just okay, but they're even celebrated. It's like when somebody makes a decision, maybe there's a little confusion, they're not sure about, say, something about their sexuality, and they come out, and it's like this gigantic celebration. And so the devil is after the next generation. Moms, that's why you are so incredibly important. And one of the things I want us all to know, whether you're a mom or a dad or a caretaker or a mother-like figure, and that's that God has put you on this planet to help steward and walk young people through life. And if you have Jesus in your heart, there's something that is called truth that we are to hold to. And truth is found in his word. You can't water it down and you can't change it. Any questions? Okay. Are we, are we still good? Okay, all right. <laughs> but I'll say this, because they, there's, you know, um, how many Gen Xers we have here? We got baby boomers, we got Gen Xers, then we have uh, the millennials. Any millennials up in here? Right? Yeah, okay, all right. See, you, hear, you notice they, didn't, they weren't like real loud because they're not really like that. Right? And so, and then you have Gen Zers. Any Gen Zers? It's even worse. Watch Gen Zers. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we got a few. Right? <laughs> and then now there's something called the Alpha generation. And there's always characteristics that goes with, with each generation. But I'm telling you, with every generation that comes out, the devil has an assault specifically for them. But let me remind you what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It's a reminder, it's a prophetic word that comes out of the book of Joel. That says, in the last days, how many know where I'm going with this? In the last days, it shall be, say shall be. Say God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Number one, if you got flesh, you're in all. Okay, so that includes you. If you have flesh, God will pour his spirit out on you. But listen to this. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. This is the, the person that you drive with every single day. This is who God is talking about. The person that you drop off at school, this is, this is who God is talking about. 
right? The person that you think and we think, it'll never happen with them. Or why isn't it like that with, with my kids? For us, it was like this, but oh, for them, it's different. Let me tell you something, is that every time God pours out his spirit, he only brings increase. He doesn't decrease. And on every generation, he pours out something new. And he doesn't want it to look like the way it looked like for you and me. Because God's not into reruns. It's good to remember things. It's good to, to, to make a monument out of, his, out of the, the faithful times. And we remember his goodness. But how many of you know that's just a monument? That stays. We, how many want God to do something new? And if God is going to do something new, that means we have to hand off to those behind us. And God will do something new with them that won't look like what it looked like for us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little hard for me. Because I've seen God move. I've seen the power of God. I've seen him do amazing things. And I'm like, in my mind, it's supposed to look like this, God, when you move. And he's going, "Uh uh-uh. Don't put me in that box. You let me decide. And so one, I believe that one of the greatest revivals we will ever see are going to take place in the generations behind us. And that they're going to take the church, overall the church, capital C, into the great unknown. We don't know what this is going to look like. I personally believe that we are living in the last days. I know that it's, it, we've been in the last days since Jesus said it, right? Jesus was on scene, he said, these are the last days. Well, I believe we're in the last, last days. Like, I, I mean, when I look around, I'm going... Ooh, I don't know how much time we have left, right? And it kind of scares me because it creates an urgency. But God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's the whole church. But there's something special about sons and daughters. And that's why we as a church, we're not into attenders. We're not into uh, pretenders. Oops. Right? We're into sons and daughters. And when we pray for people, we pray for followers of Christ and that God would give this house sons and daughters. But God is doing something new in young people. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every generation, I believe he says that for a reason. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because it was never the same for each generation that came up. But God was always faithful. And every time God did something, it only increased in power. And increased in effectiveness, never decreased. So that should excite us that God has a purpose and a plan for our children. That plan only takes place in God's will. And as godly parents, we're to raise our kids in church, say in church. There was a time where, I don't know, my kids were probably like, I don't know, 11 and 13. And so we're out here in Vegas. And my kids ask me this question. They say, Dad, can we not go to church today? And I said, um, no. And I explained to them. They said, why? I said, well, number one, I'm a pastor. Okay, makes sense, right? I said, but number two, we are a family. This is what we do. And I explained to my kids that one day you're going to be an adult, you will be out of the house, and you will be able to make your own decisions, and I will leave you alone. I promise you. I will trust that I raised you the best that I can in the way that God would have me, 
And if for some reason you decide something else, that's between you and God's son, and I will always love you. But until you move out, we are going to church. Any questions? They said, no. I said, get dressed. I'll see you in the car. And we went to church. And that's just the way we do things. I can remember when I was younger, uh, and my sister, Davina, was the first one to get saved in our family. And there would be times I wouldn't want to go to church. And guess what? I went to church. And I'm grateful for it. But why is it not an option? It's because there's a devil and he wants to destroy. Not just you, not just your family, but the children. And that's why we fight for them. Just like this mother did, she would not take no for an answer. In the story that we just read, when the devil dares go after your children, you better learn to fight for them. You better learn to fight you know, mothers are uh, incredibly fierce. Chris, I know I told you point number two. Can you get that picture ready? I want to show you guys a picture. Um, don't mind my, my life in the background. <laughs> um, on the right is my dog, Ozzy. Some of you guys have met him. I, I, I suppose he's probably about, I don't know, 100 pounds maybe. Um, he's kind of slouching, but his head is... Uh, higher than the counter. <laughs> and then on the left side is uh, a little doggy named Songi. Right, that's a Korean name. You could ask Jericho what that means later. Songi just had puppies. She had three puppies. I know what you guys are thinking. Well, didn't Las Vegas come out with a law? Yes, they did, but we didn't know about it when we got this puppy. <laughs> this was an unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> so if anybody wants puppies, I'm just saying, come, okay, holler. And so look at the size difference. On the left, we have where Songi hangs out, and that's where her three puppies are. My dog, Ozzy, will come around to her cage, and she just comes alive. And Ozzy backs up like, yo, sorry, you know. And there's something about mothers that will do anything for their children. And mothers, whether we say it or not, that's what we love about you. That's what we appreciate about you. The times you do all kinds of things and we don't even realize it. I was in the car with my family yesterday, or some of my family, and I, was, I said, hey, you know, I want to be able to tell some funny stories about Nanai. It's what we call my mom. About Nanai, you know, what's... And so we started reliving these, these memories. And so my sister Davina brings up this story about how one time she was uh, riding uh, her bike and then a kid, she was younger, a kid throws his skateboard in front of her bike. And so she ends up crashing uh, and falling on her face and marking up her face. She goes home and my mom was like, what? Who did this to you? And my dad used to collect these um, machetes and swords. And they would be up on the wall as decoration. My mom walked... True story, my sister can bear witness. My mom walks into that room, picks one, and goes outside and says, take me to the boy who did this to you. Okay, I know, back then it was different than today. <laughs> they get to the crowd, and there's these kids, and my mom says, which boy did this to you? And she pulls that thing out. 
How many know that'll get your attention? How many know you don't mess with a mama's kids? There's another time my, my brother, um, <laughs> I have two older brothers. Uh, one is rough and tough. The other one is, well, my older brother. And so he would run his mouth and he would get in trouble and he'd get beat up. And then my mom would send my older brother, hey, find the kid who beat up your brother and go beat him up. And so there's one time they get in front of this house and my brother knocks on the door and he says, the mom comes out and he says, my mom said, I have to beat up your son. <laughs> uh, so you know what she does? Oh, you're going to beat up my son? And she lets him out. Here's what happens. My brother beats up her son <laughs> pretty bad and she gets mad and she starts going after my brother. She's twice the size of my mom. Little Filipina lady. And my mom finds out, and she goes after this lady. Did they actually fight, Davina? Okay, thank God they didn't fight. But my mom, oh, man, she knows karate when you make her mad, right? She just hulks out. And there's something about mothers that God puts inside of you that does not change. You will do anything for your children. Anything that you think is right to protect them, to help them, sometimes even when it's unwelcome. Right? I hear my boys all the time. My, wait, is Vilma in here? Okay, she's, she's in the, sometimes, she, over and over, my kids will say, like, for example, Zion is about to graduate high school. Big ups to Zion, right? And so he's like, mom, we're half day now. I don't need lunch anymore. But what does my wife do? Oh, no, here's lunch. He's like, no, mom, no, here's lunch. Mom, I'll eat lunch. No, here's lunch. Moms, we love you. <laughs> we love you. And obviously, she loved her daughter. And that's one thing, because she had faith in Jesus, and she took action. Why? Not only did she... And the plan was to approach the right person. One thing that you'll notice whenever God does something in your life, he'll lead you to a place first. Why will he lead you to a place because at that place are the right people. And when you lock arms in the right place with the right people, it will lead you to your purpose. And that's why God will always lead you to a place. You might be here today going, why am I in this church? You're in the right place. I'm just saying. He'll lead you to the right place with the right people. And then he reveals your purpose but that has nothing to do with my message point number two she had a plan she responded in the right place are the right people and there was one person named Jesus how many know he's the right person to approach parents moms, dads uncles, aunties if you ever get into a place where you see one of your young ones in trouble I hope one of the first things that you do is go to Jesus and pray for them. I realize that there's a lot of things that our kids might do or get into or dabble with that we have no idea. We may have no idea what they're getting into. When you don't know what they're doing, it's hard to intervene. But I know somebody who knows everything and he can intervene Every single time. And I don't care what your situation is. 
God is able even as we sang this morning. And so I don't know who this is for. Maybe there's somebody in here and, and you're worried about a son or a daughter, a sibling, and maybe you haven't talked and maybe you don't know what they're doing or what they're into. And maybe they've once walked with God and maybe they're not walking with God anymore. Let me tell you, God's got their number and you don't worry. You do not worry. God says, my sheep know my voice. All he has to do is go, all he has to do is go hey, 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 hey. Come back, come back, come back, come back. They'll respond. And so she did. She responded in two ways. She responded in faith. <clears throat> when you read the story, it's almost like, it looks a little backwards. It's almost like Jesus just, you know, happened to be there. And the Bible says, and so this Canaanite woman comes out. I want you to know something. Jesus wasn't there by accident. It's almost like, oh, there's Jesus. Let me go. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I was here before you even realized you were going to come out. And then if you remember, there's a story in the Bible of a Samaritan woman um, who went out to the well. And remember, Jesus wasn't even supposed to be there. It was a shortcut. But that shortcut went through a neighborhood that Jewish people don't go to. And so he even sent the disciples away. He says, you know what? You guys go. I'm going to go through here. You guys go find food or lunch or something. Do something. And I'll meet you at the other side. It was actually uh, easier. I don't know if it was shorter, but easier to go the other way. But Jesus chose because he had an appointment with somebody who was lost. And I believe it was the same deal for this woman here. You think... Jesus just happened to be there, and she came out to ask, can he heal her daughter? No, no, no. I believe Jesus knew I need to be here because there's going to be a woman who needs me. And so he set this appointment up. She didn't just happen to come out. Jesus said, let me plant myself here. And so this story takes place in a district called Tyre. And again, this wasn't a Jewish area. Jesus or any of his disciples would have had no business there. They ju you just don't do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus is suddenly like coincidence. He, oh, he's there? and that, no. -uh. Let me tell you something. God knows when you're in need. He knows when you need him. And he will set that up for us. So Jesus is uh, on the scene, and it's like there he is. And she goes, well, let me, oh, my gosh, that's, that's the one people are talking about. And he's healing. As she comes out, she starts saying a bunch of things that mean nonsense to her. She's totally uh, uh, ignorant. She says, oh, you know, oh, son of, son of God, uh, son of man, uh, you know, uh, son of David. She's saying all these things that Canaanite people don't say. Maybe she just heard somebody else saying it. And maybe she's thinking, oh, this will work. And so in verse, the first, uh, no, second part of chapter 15, verse 22. I want you to play this through your mind with me. So Jesus is there. She comes out and she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter, imagine she's crying. Maybe she's huffing and puffing. She's severely demon possessed. Jesus, can you heal her? She's oppressed by a demon, Jesus. Jesus? Jesus, did you hear me? And she's crying. How many of you have ever gone to Jesus with a prayer request and you felt like he didn't answer? 
Or maybe you felt like he was ignoring you. I have. And so this mother had to overcome a bunch of obstacles to approach Jesus. Number one, she was a woman. Back in those days, women, you know, I mean, God bless you that you were living in a different time. Because back then, it wasn't respectful to talk to a, a man. That was the first thing against her. Second, she was a Gentile. Gentiles don't talk to Jewish people. That was the second thing against her. After that, she had to overcome the disciples' insensitivity. If you remember, they said, Jesus, send her away. She keeps bothering us. She keeps crying out to us. How many have ever seen somebody in need and you just go, man, I wish they would just leave? Mm. That'll preach, won't it? That's what the disciples were doing because of their insensitivity and their rudeness. And then the other thing she had to overcome is her own insecurity. She didn't belong there. She didn't need to be there. She had no business talking to them. How many know a mother will do anything for her child? And this is what she overcame. She had to overcome, most of all, Jesus' silence. When you go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who knows, you know he can answer your prayer and you cry out to him and then there's silence. I can imagine in person she probably felt a little rejected. You ever gone up to somebody like, yo, what's up, man? And they don't high five you back and you're like. Rice Brooks, one of our leaders in our ministry, played basketball for his college, and he said they used to call him Minute Rice because that's the, all the time he'd have to play because he wasn't very good. But he said he's in his championship game, and they were down by uh, one point. Their star player gets the ball with like five seconds left and lets one go. And it's going through the air. Everybody's hanging in the balance. Everything gets quiet, and he nails the shot. Boom, they win the game. He said he was the first one to run on the court, and he slid on his knee and held his hand out. And the star player ran right by him. Sometimes we feel like Jesus runs right by us. Like, right, uh, Jesus. And this is what she was going through. But the conversation took an interesting turn. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not going to have time to explain this. I don't even know if my explanation will be good enough. But listen to this. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Somebody say, dang. It's okay, that's an almost cuss word. It's not a cuss word. Dang, Jesus. But she responded in humility. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Really what she's saying is, you know what? Jesus, whatever you got for me is enough, and I'll take it. She could have got offended like most of us. You call me a dog? Right? That's what we would have done. No one calls me a dog. I don't need that, right? That's what we would have done, not her. So she 
responds in faith. Jesus shows up. This is what we're to do. Respond in faith. I said it last week. Faith is not so much about being ready because none of us ever will be. Faith is more about responding in the moment God shows up. So you may not be ready to speak your faith to somebody when Jesus says, hey, I want you to talk. Oh, but I'm not ready. It's not about that. It's about responding. I'll give it a shot, Jesus. Here we go. That's what faith is about. It's about taking risk. And she does that. She responds in faith, but then she responds in humility. Say humility. Humility is the fragrance that God cannot resist. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord, but this is the one whom I will look to. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's a Bible verse out of Isaiah. I looked that up this morning. I wanted to include it because if you want to get God's attention, it won't happen any faster than the person who responds with humility. And God will be on your side every single time. And that's just the way he operates. If we do it any other way, he says he'll oppose us. He opposes the proud. So we see that she had a problem. But then we see that she had a plan. But now we realize it wasn't her plan. That was Jesus' plan all along, wasn't it? He's the reason they met. She responds in humility and in faith, not with entitlement or offense. Sometimes we think, well, I got saved, Jesus. Now you got to bless me. No, he owes you nothing. He owes me nothing. You realize that. The blessings we get are bonuses. They're not required. Thank God he's good and he's faithful and he gives us those. Thank you, Lord. He, does, he doesn't owe us. He doesn't owe us. She had a problem. She had a plan. Because she responded correctly, she had a provider. She had a provider. Matthew 15, 21 through 28, Jesus was blown away by her faith, and Jesus was blown away by her response. The title of my message is kind of late, I know, but the title of my message was The Compelling Faith of a Mother. Could it be that the way we respond in faith and the way that we respond to Jesus, could it be that we could actually move his heart? Verse 28 says, Jesus answered her, Oh, woman. I believe Jesus was like, Oh, wow. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The, uh, the NIV version, Mark, uh, the disciple Mark also has an account of this story. He adds a little something extra that we don't see in Matthew. But in the NIV version of Mark's account, it tells us that after hearing her respond, Jesus says this, for such a reply, for such a reply, because you may go, the demon 
has left your daughter. Because of your reply, the way she replied, how she replied in faith and in humility, with persistence, Jesus said, because of that, you can go. The demon is gone. The demon is gone. One of the greatest tests in the life of a mother is the testing of her faith. Like the mother in this story, every mother can be assured of victory as long as her faith is strong. Her trust is in Jesus and is unwavering. And if she responds in faith and humility, this is my prayer for mothers and for parents. Even though we're celebrating mothers, how many men are getting something out of this as well? You know what I'm saying? God's word is for everybody. But mothers, especially because of what you do and what you hold and what you have the opportunity. I mean, you know, dads, we, we, we do the big things. We, we go to a baseball game. We go to the water slides. We, right, we do the big things. But mothers, you got a day. What an incredible opportunity to raise the next generation. But like the mother in this story, every mother can be assured of victory as long as her faith is strong, her trust is in Jesus and is unwavering. And if she responds in faith and humility. Maybe you're a mother or a parent and you've been crying out to the Lord for a problem. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Maybe it's for your own child. Maybe it's for someone else's child. Maybe it's for your own mother. Maybe you can't celebrate Mother's Day the way you normally would because maybe there's a breakdown in the relationship. I don't know. Maybe a child is struggling. Maybe an addiction. Maybe with anxiety. Maybe with bullying. I don't know. I don't don't know what it is. You do. God does. God knows. Isolation. No friends. I mean, we can keep going on and on and on. Maybe they've strayed from the faith. But I want you to know that we as a church want to stand with you. And, uh, you know, I believe we responded this morning, so I'm not going to do that again. But why don't we do this? Can we all stand up to our feet? I want to pray for all the mothers guys are so special Um, if you're a mother would you raise your hand or maybe you are responsible for children and they're not yours but you're still like a mother figure or maybe you're walking through some with somebody else through life you know what go ahead and raise your hand we're gonna we're gonna pray for you because we believe you have an incredible responsibility okay you guys can look around okay and um Just stretch out your hands to somebody who's raising their hand. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for these mighty women. Father, we thank you for their strength. Lord, we thank you for their wisdom. Lord, we thank you for their unselfishness. 
Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for all the things that they do that they don't have to, but they do it anyway. Lord, we thank you for all the times they, they, they remind us and bother us and, and tell us. And Lord, all of those things, we declare that they're a blessing. Now, Father, I pray that you would go right into the depths of their heart. And that, Father, you would recognize whatever that problem is, whether they identified it this morning by a raising of a hand or maybe it's something deeper that they haven't responded to and nobody else knows, but God, you know, you know, you know. And, Father, I pray you intervene on their behalf. I pray for every child who's wandered. to come back. Lord, I pray for every child with an addiction. Lord, that you would break it. Father, I pray for every child who is suffering in silence that, Lord, you would help them. Lord, be their deliverer. Lord, be their provider. Meet every mother's need today, I pray. God, bless them good like only you can. Lord, encourage them like only you can. Lord, wrap your arms around them like only you can. Let them know that they're loved and appreciated today and that there is nobody, absolutely nobody like them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.